Welcome, welcome back, people, to Player 2 Has Entered the Pod. I am your co-host, Michael Peterson, a.k.a. MC Paper Snacks, and with me, as always, is my co-host with the co-most. Derek Murkison, a.k.a. Full Metal Merc. What's going on with you this week, Derek? Nothing much, man. It's another uh, chill week, if you can uh, tell how clear I'm coming in. It's because we just got a new MacBook Air. That's awesome. Yeah. and uh, Yeah, the wife was so sick and tired of that PC running super slowly. I was sick of it, too. Yeah, no, so was I. So (laughs) went on ahead and hooked that up and started right up, and now we're recording, so it's pretty dope. Oh, no, that is is great news. Yeah, that other PC, it did what it could. It was chugging along. Man, but it didn't want to give you trouble when we were trying to calibrate. Man. Well, that's that's great, man. That's great. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Kristen recently mentioned, because she has two, she has a personal PC, she has like a, a laptop, and then she's got a work laptop. She can't do much on her work laptop because it's a government computer, and right. so they limit her on downloading and exporting and all that, which makes sense. But her personal one is, it's also on its last legs, and she's wanting to get something new too. And she, you know, was like, hey, for Christmas, and I'm like, I gotcha, I gotcha. <laughs> I told her to send me a list of like functionality that she wants to accomplish. She talked about drawing, so I'm thinking maybe a tablet. Samsung just came out with a new tablet that I'm going to be eyeballing. But she needs to edit videos. She needs to draw. I know that. A few other things. So I'm going to be looking into that for her pretty soon too. But, you know, sometimes they're expensive. They're an investment. You got to keep an eye out for deals. Maybe get a way to, to make payments. You know, credit cards help if you can use them responsibly. And I typically do. Yeah, uh, but sometimes you got to realize that if you're spending an inordinate amount of time on something, whether it's work or through like your personal pursuits, you got to upgrade, y'all. Yeah. So I'm super happy that you guys made that decision, and I hope it serves you well. Oh yeah. Cool. What else is going on with you this week? Pretty much same old stuff, man. I uh, called my dad to check out on him, see how he was doing. He said he's doing pretty good. Trying to figure out when he has to go back to work, but other than that, he's uh up and about and running around. So cool. So he's doing good, man. Cool, 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 cool. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear yeah. it. Well, uh, not much to report in the fam or on this side. My wife and son are out of town on a family thing. They went to Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Uh, they left early yesterday, Friday morning. That's the time of the recording. And they will be gone, I think, until Tuesday. So it's just me and the Dougie mm-hmm. holding it down. So we wish them a safe travels and good luck. She's very cautious. She brought her Lysol with her. She's spraying everything down as she goes. <laughs> <laughs> spraying so, her food before she eats it. Yeah, just, ah, oh, taste tinny. <laughs> so gross. But no, um, they're, they're doing really good. They, uh, they sent me some messages. She's been sending me pictures of like Ben sleeping in the morning, which is super cute. He just got like a new dinosaur toy. So he's four. What are you going right. to do? Man, he's <laughs> almost five though. He's going to be five in January. Can you believe it? Yeah. Nora's going to be four in December. Oh, my goodness. These kids. Four is a fun age. I don't know if it's happened yet, because I, I think we've talked about this before, but I can't remember. She's going to start talking, and she's never going to stop. She's oh, just... yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay. Whew. She already. Yeah, she's already. Just... Daddy, this is how you do the thing. Daddy. 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 And Can just we co- do the fly? <laughs> and just complete nonsense. Like, he's he's dabbling. He has been for a while. He's dabbling in upping his conversation game, but he doesn't have anything to say because he's four. So he just, he just spouts not, he's like, Hey dad, you ever hear ice worms? I'm like, what are those? He goes, man, they live in the cold and they will bite you. 
And like the other night, the power went out. Like I was streaming on Thursday and my last leg of the stream, the power went out. And I was like, you've got to be effing. We got to get a generator, by the way. Oh, my God. That's a whole nother separate issue. Power oh, yeah. goes out in this neighborhood all the time. It feels like shit over here as well. I'm surprised the power hasn't gone out on one of my streams before. But he goes, Dad, you know what happened? Ice worms <laughs> ate the power lines. <laughs> and I was like, what you been smoking? So, <laughs> but at least, at least he's crafting a narrative. Back when he first started talking, it was just complete nonsense that I couldn't even follow. Like, the words didn't even connect. I'm like, boy, that's just a word salad. What are you saying? <laughs> so at least now he's like, I mean, it's nonsense, but it's nonsense I can follow. I can get where his head is at. He's in that, you know, telling stories phase. And it's kind of fun. I like listening to him babble. I don't know about you, and I know I'm not the only one because I was watching an Odd One Is Out video the other day. He's an animator on YouTube. Good channel if anybody's ever interested in watching animators. But Odd One Is Out, I think is his, his uh, name. He was telling a story about him him working at what he calls Subway. <laughs> Subway, basically. But he's working at Subway. And a coworker of his used – like he was one of those full-on Illuminati, the government is lizard people, like conspiracy theory. And he – would just rattle off all this crazy stuff, like no doctors, no drugs, except for weed, of course. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like all these conspiracy theories he had. And the guy was like, I didn't believe a single word he said, but I was enraptured by him talking. I love listening to crazy people talk. And I was like, me too, actually. Which is why I think I get along so well with children, because they're basically crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll let him like jabber at me all day. And I'll actually kind of enjoy myself. I'm like, yeah, and then what happened? <laughs> right. I don't know. Again, I may not be the only one. I'm not sure if I'm still in the minority or not. But uh, you know, if you got a crazy person in your life or a little tiny tyke, you know, lend an ear. You'll hear an interesting story if anything else. Oh yeah. All right. So other stuff going on. It's funny. Remember last week I was ranting on about Disney Plus. Wow. Uh -huh. I was like, I ain't anything to watch on that damn channel except for Mandalorian. Why do I even have it? Bullshit. Stupid channel. Right. And then, and then what happens? Disney's like, I heard you. What about this WandaVision trailer? Wha-pow! Yeah, WandaVision. What you what think about this, punk? And I'm like, ooh, that looks like Twilight Zone. I'm into that. Oh, yeah. More of that, please. So I take it you watched the WandaVision trailer. What'd you think? I did. It was very wild. Very crazy. A lot of theories going around. Mm -hmm. Myself included. I just, I'm wondering if that's her creating a, like, mental scape for her after Vision died. Or if that's inside of Vision's head. Like, what's going on? It's crazy. I kind of feel like it's in Vision's head. I mean, it could she could be there too, possibly, but I th I feel like she I think it's in Vision's head and she inserted a copy of herself or like a piece of her consciousness or like maybe his memory of her, which is why she's acting just as confused. Mm -hmm. But he's the one that like that lady was like cuz you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> so what? I can almost imagine LaWanda like outside of his head, like trying to reconstruct him or whatever, and him kind of going through all of this like memory therapy, so to speak, and it warping into like TV shows of happy couples, which right. uh, all looks great. Like I, I really liked the costume and set piece design, and I liked even like when she was using her powers, like in the older shows, how it looked so fake, like Bewitched, like shit on a string. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? I was yeah. like, that's a nice touch. And I mean, probably also worked out for their budget, too, to be honest. Right. I love <laughs> but, that uh, Kitty from that 70s show was in it. Oh, yeah. She's great. Love her. <laughs> I love the way she laughs. Oh, she busts out a laugh on the show. only thing that would have made it better if it, is if uh, Red was her husband. That, that shit would have been amazing. That'd be too much. <laughs> but yeah, then, then Red would be like, hey, answer me. Don't you remember? Right. Answer me. I'll put my foot up your ass. Yeah, I'll put my foot up your ass and so we'll remember how you met your wife. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, correction from last week. I had uh, we were talking about uh, the, the notorious RBG with mm-hmm. Bader Ginsburg. I said she died at eighty three. That's not true. She died at eighty seven. So, apologize took, for the misinformation. You took four years off. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. So, sorry about that. I also said they're probably not going to push confirmation through. They're trying like hell. Mm-hmm. I still think the Democrats have ways that they can stop the confirmation. I just don't trust that though they will because they suck. We'll see. We'll see. I'm really hoping they stop it. I'm hoping that they either Chuck Schumer just put like a two hour limit on sessions of Congress, which will help, but they really need to kind of tighten in there because that's three just. I mean, that's a that's an oh, that's a super majority, dude. That's that's the end of a lot of privileges for Americans because that's what Republicans are about. They're always like, oh, big government, but then all they want to do is take rights away. So I'm like, well, what what which is it, man? Also, a correction: TikTok was not canceled. I don't yeah. know if you noticed that on Sunday. Yeah, not necessarily a correction. Just they didn't do what they said they were going to do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, as of all the news and information we had at the time of recording, you're right. That was the accurate information. However, TikTok busted out a video and said, hey, we're in talks with an American company, which I thought was going to be Microsoft, but it turns out it was not Microsoft. I feel like I wrote it down, but I'm not seeing it in my notes. Do you recall who actually bought TikTok? I don't. It's probably an easy thing to find. Let me Google it real quick. This is very confusing. Microsoft loses the bid. Okay. TikTok and Oracle will become business partners. I think Oracle is going to own like 70 to 80% or something like that. And that the Chinese owner is still going to be on the board, something like that. Okay. So, but apparently that blocks the U.S. government effort to ban it because it's not entirely Chinese operated and owned. It's not even majority Chinese operated and owned anymore. Mm, so Very slick. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that was the plan all along, just to pressure a deal. Who knows? Because it was becoming so popular. I mean, right. if that's true, that's extra messed up, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll keep following that story to see if anything else develops. In the meantime, I'm glad something that was so widely used and so popular wasn't just took it away from Mer- Americans on a vendetta. And it's nice that it gets to continue, even if they had to do a capitalism to do it. Speaking of doing <laughs> a capitalism, Microsoft did do a capitalism. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but... uh that's definitely probably one of the bigger things that happened this week in gaming news. Before we get to that, though, let's see what else. I think the only thing we got left is just to continue with Disney+. Plus. You had mentioned there was another trailer or some news about Disney+, Plus in regards to another, another show. It's been reported that there will be a Samuel L. Jackson-led Nick Fury series on Disney+. Plus, And we've been kind of waiting to see if Sam was going to get a chance to lead his own property. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, no, I'm down to check it out for sure. I feel like the cool thing about a lot of these shows that are spinning off from the Marvel Cinematic Universe is they're all going to be kind of different. You know, like you think of WandaVision as kind of like a mystery or kind of like a Twilight Zone type thing. And then I was always thinking that um, Falcon and Winter Soldier would be more like a a spy thriller, like Mm -hmm. a political thriller. And maybe Nick Fury will fall along with that suit. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, Maybe it'll pick up from where uh, he was at at the end of Captain Marvel. Yeah. All right, well, the last thing I have for this week is just kind of an apology. So kind of scoot all the way back to the beginning of the week, back on Sunday. I got really sick, like crazy sick. I remember I contacted you because I thought I had the Rona. That's mm-hmm. how sick I was. I was like, hey, man, we saw each other about a week and a half ago. Uh, I might have the Rona. So it turns out what was wrong with me because I was like dizzy and I was like hot and I felt feverish, but I was clammy and 
it was a high blood pressure, dude. Like, I think I was hypertensive. Like, I have a, I checked my blood pressure, and I think it was, like, over 90, mm. um, which is bad. I think they even say you should call the doctor, and I'm like, eh. So, <laughs> I was like, eh. Meh. But uh, my medication had run out, and there weren't any more refills, and I just kind of skipped calling the doctor, because I was like, I'm at home. Maybe I'll be fine. I was not fine. Don't ever do that. Right. <laughs> so, I... um. Took it easy, and I got my medication back, and now I'm okay. And I'm definitely, I understand. Like, I learned my lesson. I, I said I said so on the stream earlier this week. I'm like, I'm old, but I'm new at being old, if that makes sense. And I'm kind of learning the lessons of missteps you can make while you're old. And one of those missteps is not taking your meds. Yeah. So <laughs> if you have yeah. high blood pressure and you've lost weight and you still have high blood pressure, so you know it's genetic like me, and especially since I've gained a little weight this week, that probably didn't help my blood pressure. Or not this week, but, you know, like overall through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, do not skip the meds, man. Oh my God. So unfortunately I was so sick Sunday and Monday that I missed my Monday stream. And it's the first time I've missed a scheduled stream since I started streaming. Oh, so man. to my one fan out there who watches me, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> and I will strive to not miss another stream. So you guys got to get on these streams. Yeah. Yeah. Mike yeah. is lonely. I'm lonely out here. I just want to hang out with people. <laughs> but, um, I was supposed to play Scott Pilgrim versus the world on Monday, and I'm just going to do that this Monday. So we'll, we'll push it forward. No big deal. Cool. Speaking of games we've been playing, what you been playing this week? I've been playing Ease Memories of Celsetta or Celsita. How's that going? It's going pretty good. It's obviously no Ease 8. Mm -hmm. I believe this game originally came out on the Vita, so it looks more like a PS2-ish, PS3 game. Didn't Ease 8 come out on the Vita, though? It did. Okay, just saying. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. But it's also a... Uh, remake of the second game mm, okay yeah this is at all second adventure do they pretty much follow up like the style of the second game too or they upgraded it or oh it's definitely upgraded the old east games are just like kind of side-scrolling eight-bit titles right i remember that yeah yeah so because they were on the super nes right right and they were on uh hell what was that they might have been on in television or something like that too. I don't wow. know. That okay. East is an old series. Mm -hmm. It's older than people realize. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm enjoying it. The music's dope. It's really giving me East Eight vibes because you go into this like enchanted forest and you're just kind of exploring mm -hmm. and trying to find the right way to go. But uh, I, it's really dope. I'm digging it. So does it have kind of the same kind of like with Ease Eight? You're exploring an island, and there are areas cut off. And the way that you advance is either by finding more survivors, which can help you clear rubble. Or by learning new abilities like double jumps and things, right? Mm -hmm. So is it kind of similar with Memories of Celsetta? Yeah, like I've seen at least one spot that I can't get past. And it says, oh, you don't have enough whatever to get past here. So so I'm thinking they're going to uh, add that element in later when you get more party members or whatever. Mm. Well, cool. You know what? It's, I think that's one of the reasons why I like Ease. I really like Metroidvania games. And mm -hmm. Ease kind of gives me a 3D Metroidvania vibe because you have like this sprawling map that opens up slowly as you gain access through like story advancement and abilities, right? Yeah. And of course you do like live action combat. This is an action RPG series. And I think that's always been like its strength to me. And it's been a lot of fun. So Yeah, it's great. Cool. East nine. Well East nine. Let's see. I'm still playing Final Fantasy VII Remake for the mainstream. Thursday is when the, the last time I played it. Of course, I'll be playing it tonight as of the day of the recording. It's Saturday. So when everybody listens to this, I would have already recorded episode six or seven. I can't remember now. I think it's seven. But Thursday cut off while I was struggling with that stupid sewer puzzle. The one where it's not even a puzzle. It's just like you have to press the timing 
where Tifa yeah. and Aerith are working together to get the pressure right. Mm. And I'm like, this sucks. I hate this puzzle. Why is it so bad? The timing is terrible. I hate it. I didn't right. hate it that bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's really weird how it just kind of cuts off. But I told everybody um, last night when I was playing Resident Evil 3, I was like, yeah, I'm going to record Final Fantasy tomorrow for Saturday's episode. And I'm just going to do an extra hour, you know, try and make up for the hour I lost. Extra 45, 50 minutes, however much it was. So, yeah. But yeah, Resident Evil 3 continues to be a lot of fun. Uh, last night, I got into the sewers trying to get Nemesis away from the subway train and ran into these monsters called Gammas. They look mm-hmm. like giant cutie salamanders. Apparently, they're of the Hunter family of monsters, even though they look nothing like hunters. They're like giant maws with tiny little legs, but then when they open their mouth, they have like huge tentacles, and that's the huge fleshy tentacles is what you want to shoot. Right. They're, they're weak to fire, too, so good times. Yeah, so uh, explain this to me. I've never been really into the Resident Evil games. I just know that there were zombies. Okay. But now I've been seeing like newer gameplay and stuff, and there's like, like you said, like actual monsters. Okay, yeah, I can explain. what it seems like. And it's always been this way, but obviously they've expanded a little bit. The The thing about Resident Evil is it starts, the conceit is zombies. It starts off as zombies. But Umbrella is a pharmaceutical corporation that moonlights as a like bioweapons developer. And so the T-Virus was developed kind of to be a bioweapon. And obviously, it will make dead people rise from the grave. So you drop a T-virus in the enemy country, it'll eat itself alive, right? Right. Mm -hmm. But obviously, Umbrella fucks up and the T-virus gets out and there's this whole issue and they're trying to contain it. And there's people within the organization doing different experiments with the the bioweapons technology. There's mutations. You got T-virus and G-virus. Like, there's other viruses that are made, like in Resident Evil 2. And it has an effect on animals. So you got your zombie dogs. But then you got, like, giant spiders that show up. You got these things called hunters. They look like amphibian kind of, like, upright frogs with huge claws. You got the lickers, which are, like, these grotesque kind of elongated, almost, like, feral creatures with their brains exposed and a huge tongue that like lashes out and then you know just it it has different effects on different animals and they've done experiments and stuff too so then you start to see if they actually through like lab experience have created some of these monsters too okay and the nemesis was specifically created by umbrella in a lab to hunt down stars members which is why he's always like stars stars and and the cool thing is, is they really went ham. Like, he mutated in the original one, for sure. But it was mainly, like, after taking a lot of damage. And that kind of happens here, too. But also his environment seems to influence it. Because last night, he was all on fire. And he, like, runs out and then, like, dives into the river. And <laughs> Jill's like, you can't swim, can you, you bitch? Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but then he leaps out. And all of a sudden, he has, he looks more amphibian. He has, like, uh, fins and stuff that come off his arms. He's much bigger, you know. And mm. I got to fight him while he's, like, running around on all fours coming at me. So I might be closer to the end of the game at this point. Like I said, I, don't, I, I think it's going to last maybe three, possibly four episodes of Friday Night Frights if I extend it to two hours of play like I have been instead of one. Mm-hmm. But it's it's been a ride. It's been a lot of fun. I'm still getting the hang of combat. I died a lot last night. There's been a little bit of a trial and error for sure. So it'll probably take me like nine hours where it takes the average person six. Right. <laughs> but it pulls no punches. Like zombies used to really kind of be not a joke, but they used to be a lot less threatening than they are. Like they latch onto you from much further away. They take bullets like you wouldn't believe. The knife is basically uh, yeah. useless. The knife is a box opener is what it is. It does nothing else. 
It saves me some bullets occasionally if I'm going one on one, but if there's a hall full of zombies, leave that knife alone. But yeah, I'm I'm still having a ton of fun with it. I may even do a couple, maybe maybe one episode of Friday Night Frights where I just do like the Mercs. But I'm hesitant to do that because the show is supposed to be about scares, and I, I definitely got startled last night. I got surprised a lot. <laughs> uh, but with the mercenaries mode, it's just about kind of like the combat. That's where that's where right. the focus is. So it's it's less in the spirit of the show. I, I should I should say. Right. Bite crab came in. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so I was playing some of that. That was lots of fun. It's uh the control scheme is interesting. The two sticks on your controller move the left and the right crab arm respectively, so you can fan the crab arm out. You can move the arms forward, up, or whatever. Right. L and R will have the crab move its pincers, which you could use to grab the enemy crab, or you could use to grab other things in the environment, like a tree, if you're like a giant crab, or like uh, maybe a weapon that's been dropped on the ground. And then the left, like ZR and ZL, or the, you know, the right triggers and left triggers, mm-hmm. those will actually punch with the crab hands, or if you're holding a weapon, it'll like, it'll like fire the, a gun or, you know, whatever, whatever. And then to move forward, you have to tap on the directional buttons. So if you tap upwards, he'll just start walking forward. And if you tap it again, he'll stop. You tap left, he'll start kind of sidling left and so on. And it takes a second to get used to, but you get into it pretty quickly, fighting crabs. And there's like waves of crabs that you can fight. There's like different game modes that I've been experimenting with. The The physics are a little floppy, as you would expect them to be. Which right, is, it adds to the yeah. fun. So you damage a crab. And the idea is the more damage a crab takes, the easier he is to flip on his back. If you can get a crab flipped on its back, for three seconds kind of like a count like a wrestling tap out or whatever mm-hmm. um then you win okay yeah so it's actually really fun it's going to be coming out to switch digitally pretty soon but of course i ordered mine from japan so i have it now and the uh, japanese version has english it works just fine so yeah so having a good time with it played a little bit more man eater not much else to say about that to be honest it is uh what it is you're a shark you're eating stuff yeah um, I, i'm getting more of the mutations which is cool like i have a bite that can stun people I'm getting to be a much bigger, stronger shark. Like, I'm an adult shark. I'm not quite an elder yet. I think you still have some growing to do. So, I tried out Disgaea 5 since it's free right now. From the 23rd to the 29th, you can download it for free. Yeah. I don't like it as much as other strategy RPGs because it just feels a little loose as far as its mechanics. Mm. And the story is trash. Like, I I tried to get into it, but it's just, (laughs) it's not good. And it's always been kind of nonsense. I remember back to Disgaea 1, which is interesting because it seems like DLC, like bonus content that I was able to play. Like, I was uh, able to go back and get missions to get all the main characters from the previous games. Mm -hmm. And that was cool to go back and get, like, Laharl and Etna from the first game, because that's the one I'm most familiar with. Mm-hmm. but they're all kind of broken so i i try not to use them as much but even like the regular characters i have seem to defeat all the enemies really easily hmm. and you can move all of your characters position them execute attack commands in order and then actually execute all of them together so that way they can do combos but it just it feels really sloppy and it feels really weighted for you or the other team, depending on positioning. But I never felt like it was hard, just sometimes cheap. But then I'd be like, okay, well, I'll just bring this other person out and kill you. You know, whatever, whatever. So I don't know. Again, I think it has a lot of depth for someone who's willing to invest the time. And I think it'll probably get harder as you go. Like you just kind of need, it's not very good at presenting a difficulty level that would make you feel challenged from jump. Like you have to seek it out. So for those who've never played or are trying to get into strategy RPGs, I would recommend Vandal Hearts. 
is a really good one. One of my favorites. Final Fantasy Tactics Advance is another really good one that mm-hmm. I like. Fire Emblem Three Houses is amazing. Pretty much any Fire Emblem I think would be good. I mean, even like Awakening, I think. Those are the games I would probably recommend in that genre first. And if you're into those, maybe check out this guy. But it's free right now. Like I said last week, you really don't have anything to lose by trying it, at least. It's just, so far, it's not my cup of tea. And I powered through quite a few hours. I'm going to keep playing it because it's free, just to kind of, you know, get a well-rounded view of it. But so far, I'm not super impressed. Yeah, I've never been into it either, but that's just me and strategy RPGs overall. Mm -hmm. What I do like about it, though, is how over-the-top the attacks are. Check your PlayStation Classic that I hacked for you. If Vandal Hearts is not on there, I know Vandal Hearts 2 is probably on there, but if Vandal Hearts 1 isn't on there, let me know. I'll loan it to you because I have a copy. And for for the feds out there, I have copies of all the games I put on there, so shut up. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I'll loan you Vandal Hearts. I, the thing I like about Vandal, the reason why I would pick that first is because I feel like it's really good at easing somebody into the mechanics of a strategy RPG and you don't have to do a whole lot of grinding. And if the battle starts to go not your way or you don't like the kind of the decisions you made, you always have the option to restart the battle. And they're they're not super long, right? Like right. Each, each engagement. So I think it's like a really good introduction, a really good way to get somebody into that genre. At least from all of the games I've played in that genre, to me, it feels like the one that eases you in there the best. If okay. that makes sense. So Cool. Yeah. Let's see. The only other game I played this week is, which is going to sound weird, I was playing Octopath Traveler. Oh. And just jump back into that. Yeah, I beat it. I got it, you know, when it came out two years ago. And I beat it two years ago. Put in about like 80 to 90 hours into it, I think, all told. And I don't know. I. I was just kind of thinking about the game. I don't know if it's because they released Spirits that you could win in Smash Brothers Ultimate recently, probably because of its anniversary, you know, uh, being, uh, I think it came out in July of 2018. It was on my mind. And then I I popped it in and started playing it and remembered how much I liked the music and how much you can interact with NPCs. Mm -hmm. That's one of the coolest things about that game. So for those who don't know, Octopath is kind of like an acronym for the first, for the name of each character in that game. There's eight people and they all have their own kind of narrative and their own kind of story and their own kind of goals. And you can start with any main character you want and see their first chapter. I think they have up to four chapters, possibly five. I think it's just four though. And once you finish their first chapter, you're free to explore the world and you can go around and find other characters and experience their first chapter. And it's weird because in the story beats, you don't see the other characters. It's very much a solo thing. But if you have other characters in your party, they can help you with the fights. So there's a little hmm. disconnect between the story. Like they have some character engagement and there'll be like messages that'll pop up where, the, oh, two of these, ter- these two characters want to talk to each other. But it's not like fully fleshed out, which is probably one of the criticisms people have about Octopath. I didn't mind it so much. But the cool thing is every character has special abilities. So, for example, there's a thief named Therion and he can steal from any NPC that you meet almost. And you get some really good stuff. Now, obviously, the lower level he is, or the more rare the loot is, the less percentage chance you're going to have of stealing. And you have reputation in towns. So if you fail an Octopath like action up to five times, your reputation suffers and you can no longer interact with the NPCs. So you have to go and pay money to restore your reputation. You know, if you really want to make the most out of it, you either need to pay a lot of money or there might be some saves coming (laughs) or just like level up, you know, that type of thing. But... He can also open special chests that are dotted throughout the world that are like coated by color. So they're purple chests that can only be opened by him because he just has the skills, right? Right. Then you have somebody like the merchant 
Tressa, I think her name is. She's kind of like the light side to Therian's dark side. So she can also get items from NPCs, but she's a merchant, so she can buy them. It's like the honorable way. So you never have to risk hurting reputation by buying the item from the NPC, but obviously it costs you money. She also has a special ability where as you enter a new area, she just finds loose change. It it'll, sounds it'll, like me and my dad's. Yeah. She'll, <laughs> she'll, you'll see a message pop up that goes, Tressa found 409 money or gold, whatever the currency is, dropped by some unfortunate soul. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So you actually can gain money faster with her. She can even, like, not steal money. I guess she kind of can. There's an ability where she can collect large amounts of money, especially if it's like a boss character from characters. So she's good to have in your party when you're fighting bosses. And again, of course, Therian can steal from enemies too, like when you're in battle. And every other character has a light and a dark side. You have Oberian who he's like a knight, so he can challenge people to fights. It's hilarious to challenge like an old innkeep, like an old lady, like, challenge me. And she's like, I'm old. Why are you fighting me? But that's like <laughs> apparently the honorable way to fight. So you don't risk reputation. And some characters are surprisingly strong. But you fight them one-on-one. -on -one. Sometimes they're blocking a doorway that maybe you want to get into a building to get like a treasure. Sometimes maybe you'll get something after the battle, like an item. Most of the time it's just experience and just the funsies of fighting various characters. Yeah. And then you have Hunnit, I think is her name. I can't remember. Hunnit. Hunnit. <laughs> One Hunnit. So she's like a hunter. And I could be saying her name wrong, but... She can also challenge people, but she is a beast master, so she'll sick beasts that she's captured on them, and I guess that's considered a dishonorable way to duel, so you risk reputation if you lose. Right. Or maybe it's if, if they refuse the fight. I can't remember. It's probably if you lose. And then you have two characters that can allure or entice people to fight with the party. So again, one dishonorable way is like to use sex appeal, and if it fails, mm -hmm. you, you hurt your reputation. The other honorable way is to use like religious reasons, and so you won't risk reputation, but it may be harder to get them to come along. I don't, I don't know how that dynamic works, and, or I don't remember. And then finally, there is collecting information. So you have an alchemist and you have a scholar. The scholar uses scrutinize, and people don't like being scrutinized. So if you, yeah, you have a percentage to successfully scrutinize. And if you do, you learn all about that person, and a lot of times you'll learn about a hidden item somewhere or some information that might help you in a side quest or interact with another character. Or you can use, I can't remember the other term, but it's like, you know, you can basically just have a conversation with them, get to know them. And again, that's a little, you know, that can be like level specific and you may not always be able to do it if you're not strong enough, but you don't risk your reputation. So it's like that for all of the different things. And again, all these characters, like the scholar, he can instantly see one of the weaknesses of the enemies upon entering battle. Uh, the alchemist can mix different items. He's the only person that can do that. Like, there's different things that they can do that make them unique. You can only have four characters in your party at once, but there's infinite combinations. They all have their own jobs. Eventually, they can learn a second job from one of the other party members making, like, hybrid jobs. It, there's a lot of depth uh, to the growth in all the characters that makes it really interesting. So if you like RPGs, and you don't mind turn-based battles, because it's going to be, you know, it's it's something that seems like it's on its way out, but it's it's random turn-based battles. The battle system is great. I could I could spend all day explaining that, but the real conceit or the draw for me is the graphics. It looks like a diorama. It's very beautiful. And just the characters and the different ways that they can interact with NPCs and with their environment. So Nice. Yeah, so 
like around 15 hours through it again. I'm thinking I might I might finish it. I don't know. I'm bouncing around. I feel like I have gaming schizophrenia right now. I'm bouncing around. Oh, yeah, games. definitely. You know Especially with all the streams. <laughs> so, yeah, you know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, like I set down Tokyo Xandy for a bit, but I'm probably going to pick that back up too. So Okay, gaming news. So big things happening with Microsoft. They bought Bethesda for $7.5 billion. That's the uh, that's the capitalism. I, yes. I, I the, the criticism I had, I was like, oh, Microsoft can't make any of their own uh, exclusives, so they go and do a capitalism and just buy another company. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, here's the thing with that: Sony does it too. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm yeah, not. Not all companies they have to do it. Yeah, I'm not ragging on Microsoft as the only company that's ever done that, um, and I'm not necessarily saying it's a it's a bad thing. Although, I mean, whenever you have like two large companies merge, it always kind of gives me pause. But a lot of people are concerned, you know, like whether or not this means that all Bethesda games will be Xbox exclusive or not. So, I mean, what's your take? Oh, uh, well, I've actually read up on it and it looks like Microsoft is going to honor the PS5 exclusives. The current the Bethesda, ones. Yeah, the current ones. Mm-hmm. And all games made by Bethesda going forward are going to be distributed amongst the consoles on a case-by-case basis. So yeah. I can definitely see them making Elder Scrolls Six a Xbox Series X exclusive, mm. just because in a case-by-case basis, I would like to keep the most profitable property yeah. on my system. Yeah. But also, cool. if you don't release it on the other systems, then you're losing money. And since you own the company, you want the... You know what I mean? It's it's weird. No, you make a it's really weird. good point. A really good point. Yeah, Todd Howard like came out immediately and was like, hey, this doesn't mean all Bethesda games will be Xbox exclusive, but then he didn't really elaborate, so that can be, oh, it, it comes on PC. And Phil Spencer was like, nah, we, you know, <laughs> like like you said, like it'll be a case by case. So, and there's arguments like you said to be made. I mean, as a publisher, they would make money if something went on Sony or PS5. Or I, I feel like we have more of a chance of things going to Switch than PS5 because they see Switch less as a direct competitor. Yeah. At the same time, like we said before, the company is in business to make money. That's it. Mm-hmm. So if they're going to make more money keeping a game on their console, then they're going to do that. If they're going to make more money sharing the wealth, then they're going to do that. They aren't necessarily concerned with beating Sony at anything because, like you said, they have fuck you money. You said that last week. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, man. Uh, they're doing. They're making big moves, man. They're like, hey, you guys were talking about us. We don't have any exclusives. Well, we're going to buy Bethesda. We're buying Elder Scrolls, Doom, Prey, <laughs> Evil Within. All that shit. Now what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's true, it's true, it's true. What else we have going on? There is that rumor of a Metal Gear Solid remake on PS5 coming up. Yeah, I'd be really happy if this was true because, like, as you all know, I've never been a Metal Gear Solid fan. It would be nice to Get be able intro. to jump into, yeah, jump into the original, well, the original Metal Gear Solid. The, That's a good starting point. Yeah, the first Metal Gear games came out on, like, the original Nintendo or MSX. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I already played one remake that they did, Twin Snakes, which mm-hmm. was pretty good. That was in the style of Metal Gear 2. It had a different director, so it was a lot more action-focused. It was very silly in anime as far as mm-hmm. like the uh, the cutscenes were concerned, especially compared to the original one on PlayStation 1. But I'd be down for an upgraded, kind of like a Final Fantasy VII style remake, but of Metal Gear Solid. Maybe that even incorporates more of the wacky story that we see later on. Or It'd be almost funny if they did their own meta thing. I doubt they're going to, because I think that's pretty unique to, to see them more of. But I'd be definitely excited to play it. Maybe if they even expanded it a little bit, because the actual... I mean, it's a PS1 game, so the actual action game itself is kind of short. 
Mm-hmm. So making the Shadow Moses Island and the complex you have to infiltrate a little bigger, expanding some of the gameplay sections, that'd be kind of cool to see. Yeah, so. and we've seen it can be done with Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, Even yeah. though people will complain that it was bloated and stuff, I, I enjoyed it every step of the way. Hey, I like more video game. Give me more video game. Right, Let's do it. exactly. Let's do it. Let's do it. You got to mention a few other things. Uh, you had brought up Spider-Man and PS5. What's up with that? If you've heard the news about Xbox's smart delivery system, basically it's where if you buy a game on the Xbox One, you can upgrade to the Series X version for free. Well, Sony's taking a different approach. They are remastering Spider-Man PS4 for PS5, mm-hmm. and if you want to upgrade to that version, you either have to buy the Ultimate Edition of the PS5 version, or you have to spend $20 for that upgraded remaster. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people that are upset about this, because Sony wasn't forthright with you know what games were going to be on PS4 and which ones were going to be on only PS5, because mm-hmm. now Miles Morales, you can buy it on PS4. So when you buy Miles Morales on PS4, you can get the PS5 version of that game for free, mm-hmm. but you have to pay the extra 20 for the Spider-Man 2018. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't have an issue with it. Like, I, I feel like if you already played the game, then you shouldn't really care about... Like, it's a very recent game, and it still looks really good. Mm-hmm. It came out in the last two years. Mm-hmm. If you feel the need to play a PS5 remastered version of it, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, 20 bucks is not that much. They could charge more, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Yeah. They just, uh, I don't know, man. I feel like, uh, I was saying this earlier, I feel like we were getting a little spoiled as gamers. Yeah. As far as what we expect from the companies. Like, yeah, we don't want a bunch of microtransactions and stuff, but when you have these companies doing extra work to basically upgrade a product, mm. you sh- we shouldn't be expecting it for free, even though Xbox is doing it, but that's because they lost so much goodwill during this last generation. Mm. that's the only reason they're doing it i guarantee you yeah so i I think it's tough because if you can see that it can be done and that's a possibility then when it's not that you you can draw that comparison that's when people get upset i don't know spoil spoil this consumers i mean we talked about that too i think when you're dealing with a large company that makes like just like you said fuck you money Mm -hmm. then you know fuck you if you decide to get a little squeeze a little bit more and when we know that you don't necessarily have to because we see people not doing that um I'm on the fence about it. Like I said, I don't, I'm not going to be mad about it either. You know, it's like getting on a plane. This is an old Louis C.K. joke, but it's like getting <laughs> on a plane and finding out that there's Wi Fi and being like, oh, cool. And then being like, hey, sorry, due to complications we couldn't foresee, we won't be able to have Wi Fi. And being like, fuck this plane. Right. Like you weren't even <laughs> expecting it in the first place. Why are you so upset? It's just going to exactly. be a regular ass plane ride like you were expecting. But when you raise people's expectations and then lower them back, you know what I mean? Like, when you kind of ping pong back and forth between getting something and not getting something, that's when people get a little upset. And it's a natural reaction. But like you said, there needs to be a little bit of perspective inserted here. I really don't care either. I find it to be a bonus if you get a free upgrade. Like, great, that's awesome. Thanks for that. You know, because there is right. some work putting into it. And it's an investment. You put in work and offer us free for the goodwill for future endeavors or for publicity. Do you charge? That way you can get compensated for that work for your little extra money. It all depends. So, yeah. I have no sympathy for large corporations, though. And I've made no bones <laughs> about that on the show. So, fuck, right. them, I don't care. But <laughs> as far as my expectations go, it is what it is. As far as ra- raising games to 70, honestly, it got, it's been 60 for so long. Like, start off as 50 for the longest time. Then it was raised mm-hmm. to 60. Made people made a lot of big fuss. I'm surprised it took this long to raise it yeah, to 70, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, it's been 60 since, what, 2005? Yeah. 
And it's yeah. it's 70 on top of, I think, all of the other practices that would bother yeah. me. Like when you chart, like look at Star Wars Battlefront, for an example. Mm-hmm. The shell price for the game being 60 but you barely get anything. And then them tacking on all the stuff end up paying over $100 for a single game. Yeah, like that's that whole. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's bad. So that's the thing you have to watch and kind of buck against. And they're co- they're going to constantly push the envelope because, like you said, they're a business. They're trying to make money. So people complaining, I mean, complain. You know, if you have the energy yeah. to do it, go out there and do it because that's what keeps things kind of reasonable for the rest of us. Because you give a company an inch, they're going to try to take a mile. They always do. Yeah. That's just the way but also, do. yeah, don't complain and then give them your money as well. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. There's that. There's that. You know, because, <laughs> yeah, like... The reason that microtransactions are so prevalent is because we're giving them so much money mm-hmm. for little things, too. Yep. GameStop, speaking of corporations we hate, GameStop <laughs> employees have been scalping the PS5 pre-orders. Those motherfuckers. Yeah, so if you've been keeping up with the PS5 pre-order nonsense, literally when companies put the pre-orders up, they're gone in seconds. So the fact that employees at GameStop, they of course they want the system, too, but for them to be buying the pre-orders just to sell them at a higher price is kind of a dick move. Yeah. Actually, it is, it's a very dick move because you've got cus- loyal customers that want to come in, they want to support your business and buy those things, but then you just kind of snatch it from under them. I was actually watching this reseller, Phoenix Resale, and he stood in line at a GameStop. It was about 6 a.m. he got there. Mm. And then later in the day, there were people like selling their spots. Like there were homeless people there. Mm. They were getting in line because they kind of figured out what was going on. And then they were selling their spots in line. Wow. To people that were coming up. So like this one dude was like, yeah, I spent 150 bucks on my spot, but uh, I don't care because I'm going to get a PS5 day one. I was like, wow. It's a little ridiculous. Yeah, because yeah, that dude's going to end up spending $700 on a PS5. Because plus tax, it's like five fifty four or something like that. And then you spent an extra one fifty on top of that. The funny so part you spent would be if he plans on scalping, too. <laughs> like right. That, that, yeah, that, that would be hilarious. Then, you're, then he's just cutting into his profit at that point. Yeah, GameStop is just... Uh, I hate that they're such a bad company and their practices are so just anti-consumer. Well, they're on their way out, so... Yeah, and it's going to be sad for me to see them go, though, because they had... The, you can get some good deals from them, but... yeah. When they go, it's going to be all hell, man. Um, <laughs> Xbox Series X one terabyte external hard drive is going to cost you $229, Ooh, which is crazy one. because the Xbox Series S <laughs> only costs you 300 So it's almost double the price of their lower-end cons- next-gen console. That's, That's crazy. Yeah. That's them trying to recoup that, that money. One terabyte. That's it? That's it. Sheesh. And you can't yeah. use uh, third-party external hard drives? I assume not. That's messed. Well, that's a Sony move right there. That's what they do. Yeah. Well, actually, you can use external hard drives on the PS4. I know you can. I'm just I'm talking about yeah. like how they've done proprietary memory in the past. Like, look at oh, the yeah. Nightmare. The Vita, the PlayStation PSP. 3, actually. Yeah. yeah PlayStation all 3, that. you can't use external hard drive. Yeah, that kind of sucks. So you had mentioned there are rumors of Microsoft buying Sega. Oh, yeah. Is that happening? Yeah, I don't know for sure. Like I said, it's just a rumor. But if Microsoft were to buy Sega, which actually, now that I think about it, a lot of the Yakuza games have been coming over to... Yeah, but they're coming to Xbox. Like, Yakuza 0 Mm -hmm. and Kiwami, I believe, are on Game Pass. Mm, So that is uh, something to think about. If they buy Sega, then they are definitely beefing up their library. 
Because you Sega's does so much shit, man. You got Sonic. Yeah, they do a lot of publishing. Yakuza. Yeah. yeah. They own Atlas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you, you might be seeing some, if they do indeed buy Sega, you might be seeing some Persona oh, games on Xbox. Which is, right. <laughs> That's crazy to think about. That is crazy to think about. Because that. I, Xbox would be crazy to take these popular Japanese properties and not put them on PS4 or Switch, though. They'd be insane. That's what oh, the yeah. money is. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't see those becoming exclusive, even if they do buy Sega. But we'll see. Right. Recently, I saw... Actually, earlier today, before we started the stream, I saw a Champions trailer for Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. Uh-huh. It looks really dope. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, it sees a... Like, I never beat Breath of the Wild, and I actually never met any of the champions in the game. Wow. So exactly, I didn't get very far into it. I didn't fight any. Man. Yeah, I didn't fight any of the uh, divine beasts or anything. Yeah. yeah, you know they showed Daruk and Arbosa and uh, what's her name, Nifa, Nifa, yeah, and Ravioli, <laughs> <laughs> Ravali, and they're just they're It looks really dope, man. Yeah. Like it gives, it gives me hype to start at Hyrule Warriors. Like you always talk about that game, and you wanna you want me to play it with you. I just never have. It's really good. Yeah, so uh, they don't explain a whole lot though. So that recommendation I made about Warriors Dojo, that YouTube channel, get on that because it's going to teach you how to play those characters effectively. Okay, cool. It looks really dope. I may have to beat Breath of the Wild just so I can fully grasp the scope of the hundred. Was it the 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 Great War? That was War of Calamity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Decent deals came out recently. Uh, You had brought it up, and I know I was eyeballing it too. The big in Japan sale on playstation network that's good stuff yeah basically a bunch of anime slash japanese games and mm-hmm. shows and everything that are up to half 50 percent off so i pretty much have everything that i want from the sale but if you are into like rpgs and stuff and you want to try something new it's definitely a good place to stop yeah a lot of the final fantasy or square games are 50 percent off I saw that Tokyo Xandu EX Plus, which a game I would definitely recommend, you can get that on PlayStation Network for twelve bucks. Mm-hmm. So I I think it's totally worth it. I just spent like thirty on a physical copy. So and yeah, so check that out. And on the Switch, on the eShop, they also have a lot of Japanese developer games, fifty percent off. A Square, I think Phoenix Wright is still fifty percent off. Stuff like that. Hyrule Warriors is twenty bucks used at GameStop right now. So if you're interested, go check that out. I know that you had mentioned that you got one on a pickup, right? Yeah. Hyrule uh, Warriors Definitive Edition is 20 bucks. Yeah. That game's not really? Yeah, you might want to go grab a copy. Yeah. But yeah, I know that you had one on a pickup too, and they're they're kind of hard to find. So it's one of those games you had mentioned that are going up in price. Is that right? Yeah. So it's one of the few first-party Nintendo games that are more expensive than their original MSRP. I think right now a copy runs around 70 bucks on ebay or something yeah so 20 bucks from gamestop is a ridiculous deal it's substantial so definitely if you get a chance grab that if it's still going i also saw fist of the north star i think it's lost paradise is it is that yep lost paradise 10 bucks on psn super worth it that game is excellent it is excellent it's probably one of my uh favorite games in that style and that yakuza style (laughs) Mm because i think it's the same developers as yakuza right yep yeah it's amazing so I could go all day talking about that game. Maybe maybe we will one time. Maybe we'll revisit it or I'll put it on a stream or something. But yeah, that's that's all the deals that I could think of. Anything else on your end or any good pickups? As far as deal, well, it's not really a deal. It's more of a restock. The uh, Animal Crossing Switch console is back in retailers. 
So if you've got like a Target or a Walmart or something near you, Best Buy, check it out. If you missed out on the Animal Crossing Switch and didn't want to pay 800 bucks for it, they are back in stores for around 300 So happy hunting on that one. As far as pickups, like I mentioned, picked up Hyrule Warriors for Switch uh, for about 40 bucks. I got it for a little cheaper because I bought some Xbox One Rock Band 4 stuff. Okay. I also picked up the Monster Hunter Iceborne Master Edition Steelbook, mm. which I've been looking to try and get into the Monster Hunter world, so I think this might be as good a time as any. Good luck to you. I hear playing that game takes a lot of preparation, a lot of patience. Yeah. And I definitely don't have it right now. Man, I wish I got into Monster Hunter when I was younger and I didn't have as much money and games weren't coming out as often as they are because... A game like Monster Hunter sounds like a dream to somebody who can't afford games to buy any game that they want because it takes so much time investment, but it's so rewarding of that time invested, you know, right? like spending like an hour or two getting ready for a battle, like getting your armor together, getting your buffs together, getting your strategy together, especially if you're online, you can go out and raid with other people, which sounds like a lot of fun, like studying the monster, then going out and hunting it, fighting it for like another hour and actually defeating it. I mean, the whole conceit of the game Sounds really cool, but it also sounds like a huge investment that I just don't have time for, <laughs> Right, <laughs> to be honest. But yeah, good luck with that. Let us know how that goes if you end up trying it out. Yeah, I will. Cool, cool, cool. So let me ask you, Derek, this week, what you feeling? I'm actually feeling this YouTube channel that I've been watching literally every day since uh, I found him. It goes by the name of Tendo, mm-hmm. so basically Nintendo without the Nin. And it's a, I believe they're uh, married, but it's a husband and wife reseller combo and they basically do daily vlogs on uh, like going to goodwills and thrift stores and what they pick up and uh, go to their antique malls to restock their booths and everything it's just really like real consistent and real good for me to see that every day because it helps keep me motivated Mm -hmm. to do my job so yeah and they're also really funny and just real just fun to watch he used to have a like huge red beard and then he cut it off and i was like oh what the hell looks like a little kid now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but yeah, uh, they're they're pretty dope. I like I said, I watch them every day, and it's Tendo on YouTube. Cool. I might want to check them out. It kind of makes me almost wish that you and uh, Victoria were doing a show like that. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't really have time because she's got school and whatnot. I know. Anyway, and honestly, I I commend them for doing that because I think about how much work goes into like finding the inventory and cleaning it up and posting it and storing it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. when do they have time to edit videos? Well, they maybe they make time because, I mean, if they're any any kind of successful, and it sounds like they probably are because they're really entertaining, and that, that brings them in a little bit of money too. Yeah, I mean, they're relatively new. They've been doing it for about a year. But mm-hmm. they've got about... How do they have? Uh, less than 10,000. That's still pretty good. But they're, yeah, they're, they're going up, so... Awesome, awesome. Well, this week, I am feeling a personality... He's on YouTube, and he's also a writer for Polygon, and he makes videos for them. His name is Brian David Gilbert. Have you heard of him previously? Nope. He is best known for some of his videos that have gone viral, like PokéRap. He made the ultimate PokéRap, like the best one. He improved it to include all the uh, modern Pokémon. Oh, okay. And he also... Prior to being hired by Polygon, just made a lot of goofy videos on his channel called Brian David Gilbert. He's known as BDG. But he also does a series on Polygon called Unraveled. And he'll do things like a video on how to tell all the Fire Emblem characters apart. Good luck. (laughs) 
or which Castlevania monster is the sexiest. <laughs> he, he did a video where he attempted to cook all of the different dishes in Breath of the Wild and, and rate them, you know, based on like how tasty they are, are as far as how many hearts they would replenish. So, yeah, definitely check him out. He's still making videos even now through the pandemic. In fact, some of his pandemic videos are really funny. He made one about uh, it's time to get good at darts. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my personal favorites that I watched last night talking about looking to video games for ways to increase your stamina since we're all feeling a little bit more lethargic from this work from home environment so yeah definitely check him out like i said you can look up polygon's youtube channel and find his series unraveled or you can or i would recommend you do both actually look up his personal channel brian david gilbert and uh, give give him a check out give him a listen if anything check out his pokey rap it's really good so cool well, I think it might be time for Derek Cross Mike Anime Edition. Are you asking me for a challenge? This week, we are continuing our run through of Berserk and Full Metal Alchemist brotherhood i have taken on episodes four through six of full metal and you have taken on episode two of berserk so let's get into it i started with episode four what an episode to start with (laughs) what's yeah well what's interesting is they start talking about one of the state alchemists that are into bioalchemy and they're like hey guys do you know anything about bioalchemy and i was like um and then they were like, no. And I was like, what the hell, guys? Isn't that your whole deal? Right. <laughs> you know? So that didn't make any sense to me. And I'm like, no wonder you failed. So they go to meet this state alchemist. And he seems really cool, if kind of nerdy. He keeps doing that glasses thing where his glasses flash or glow. You never really see his eyes, you know? Right. And which is always a red flag to me. Yeah. But he has you a, see him later, but. <laughs> yeah. He's got a big fluffy dog and he's got a little girl. And she's really cute. She's like, play with us and yeah yeah the dog keeps jumping on ed which is the 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 humor in the episode he's like i will destroy you and it just jumps on him he's like oh okay i love it so they're in the library learning about that they spent a few days there and then um one of the state alchemists that are you know coming by to either pick up ed and alphonse or drop him off it's just like hey man remember our uh our evaluation's coming up apparently in order to stay a state alchemist annually you have to produce some sort of advancement in your research it's kind of like if you're a scientist and you need to get published or whatever to continue your funding right right it's very similar to that which kind of brings into okay how much are you doing how much science are you doing is rushed or published before it's ready or how much of it is junk science and i think i honestly feel like this setup is what leads to a lot of an article we read the other day says that wine actually makes you more healthy if you drink like eight glasses a day, right? <laughs> right? And it's because scientists know that they have to do their regular study, like their real science, but in order to make the money, they have to get like published. And that junk science and articles seem to like get passed around and shared more. So they'll make this sensationalist bullshit based on like a test, you know, group of like eight people. Right. <laughs> right. And then people see the article and go, well, somebody wrote about it. It must be true. And mm-hmm. that's what ends up getting all the attention. But that's what they have to do. And it's funny because this episode seems to be themed around the sacrifices that some alchemists are pressured to make. And you get more into like their history and why the mom isn't around. She left about, a, I guess, a year prior or whatever. And, you know, so it's just him and his daughter and his dog. Well, he's famous for making chimeras, kind of like what we saw 
the monster that we saw sicked on them in episode two, two. I believe. No, three. three. Episode three. three, yeah, with the religious guy. And so they want to learn more about that because, again, bioalchemy could probably really help them getting their bodies back. And you can see, like, cages full of animals that he's been experimenting on, which I have my own qualms about that. But Yeah, it's like two-headed monkeys and shit. Yeah. So he's he's feeling the pressure, and he's like, I got to come up with something soon. And Ed and Alphonse come to visit him on, you know, one of the subsequent days. And sure enough, he's got a chimera. And it looks kind of like a shaggy dog with weird eyes, dark hair. And he goes, it can talk, check it out. And and sure enough, it, it repeats something that he says. But then the Chimera like turns to Alphonse and Edward and says something that the little girl had said to them previously. Edward. 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 Play with me. Big brother, Ed. Big, big brother. And and then as like like loses his shit, he's like, oh my God, where the fuck is your daughter? Right. <laughs> right. And I, I'd already caught on like pretty quickly. I was like, yeah, I know what he did. And how he originally got his state alchemist certification when his wife, quote unquote, disappeared. He had basically combined a human with an animal to make a chimera. And that's how it was able to learn human speech so quickly. Mm-hmm. So Ed goes like bananas and starts punching this guy out almost to death. Alphonse has to stop him. And they take this guy and his chimera into custody. Meanwhile, there's this guy running around like assassinating state alchemist and he sounds like really religious like you will you will repent your sins before god and he has mm-hmm. like a scar on his face and he just like touches people and they explode in blood and die i'm like oh god that's intense yeah so eventually he finds the state alchemist who did the experiment he kills him he kills the chimera it's a very sad story he comes after Ed, and then Ed barely gets out, and that's where Armstrong comes in, which I saw him in the first episode. He was one of the guys fighting the rogue state alchemist. Mm-hmm. Armstrong kind of cracks me up. He's like, I will show you a technique passed on the Armstrong family for generations. He reminds me of Adonis in Berserk, which you'll you'll come to, to know that guy. He does the same thing, but he's not, oh, okay. He's more bullshitting. He's like, learn this spear technique passed down in the Adonis family for 342 years. He's like, he's like, I thought it was 100. <laughs> but uh, Armstrong is actually a lot of fun. He's probably one of my more favorite characters. And you get to yeah, know he's him. Yeah, excellent character. Yeah, you get to know him a little bit better. He's just like a big, happy bear of a man. He's very emotional. He likes a lot of hugs. They allude to him being a little effeminate and then like weirding people out because he's like so open and emotional, which I don't know if it's like a cultural thing with Japan or not, but I'm into it. I'm like, Armstrong can hang out with me any day. He seems cool. Right. So, yeah. But yeah, they they barely make it out. Like Alphonse, his armor is like badly destroyed. The guy like rips Ed's arm off. (laughs) (laughs) And they find out, they nearly defeat him, but he escapes. They find out that he's a part of a country. I can't remember the name of the country. Ishval. Ishval, thank you. Yeah. That state alchemists were ordered to completely eliminate due to a conflict. And a lot of the state alchemists are still around, the ones that were involved in that conflict. I mean, they eradicated that country. Yeah. It's basically Full Metal's version of the Holocaust, only right. worse? Yeah, I don't even know It's weird like... saying that. <laughs> but... Yeah, because I don't know if it's a one-to-one comparison. It's more like... It's just genocide. It's genocide. Yeah, it's, it it's more like what America does with a country that we want to say is dangerous. We just go and bomb the shit out of it. But they, like, eradicated it. Like, they sent a state alchemist and killed everybody there, man, woman, and child. Like, it's, in, mm-hmm. it's insane. 
it almost makes you like want to root for this guy. Right. Um, in fact, I kind of do. I mean, his methods are kind of messed up because he's going after people who weren't involved in the conflict. But for the ones that are, I'm like, yeah, they suck. Do that. Mm-hmm. So they get a lead on subsequent episodes. Ed gets a lead on the Philosopher's Stone. They go to see a doctor. He used to be a state alchemist in the war, and he's like a doctor in a small town. They find out the Philosopher's Stone is like a like a fifth element almost that can take on various shapes, almost like jelly or liquid, mm-hmm. and it can be manufactured. And so they kind of go on a quest. Uh, they're going to start a quest out to either manufacture it or learn more about it. But in the meantime, they have to kind of head back and get, you know, Ed's arm repaired, get, you know, and that way he can repair Alphonse. And Armstrong is like escorting them and he learns all about their backstory and starts crying. And he's like, you guys are so great. I can't believe what you did for each other. You gave up your arm for your brother. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, really sweet and kind of like a good episode to get to kind of get to know everybody and reunite i kind of feel like it would have been great to change the order of the episodes a little bit like just drop episode one that's a throwaway episode it yeah it really is is not a very great way to introduce this series either start with episode two or maybe even slide episode two just after the episode where they're getting repaired so you can kind of go back and really see for yourself the history as armstrong is finding out Right. Right. And then mm-hmm. feel that emotion with him. So, yeah, it's, it's not a very good first episode. No, it really isn't. Yeah. No, but everything else is starting to really pick up. And now I'm getting interested in it. Like they show more of lust and gluttony. And now they have, I think, was it pride or wrath? That's actually imitating that religious guy now. Envy. Envy. That's right. And so you, you get more of kind of their plot and how they are trying to encourage insurrection and fighting and build these armies and stuff. And so it's it's starting to get really interesting of like you're trying to figure out, okay, what exactly are they trying to accomplish? They're obviously bad dudes. Right. And then and meanwhile, you have Ed and Alphonse still out there trying to find a way to get their own Philosopher's Stone so they can basically get their bodies back. So the writing is getting better. I'm still I'm OK with the action, but the rules of alchemy are still so ill defined. It feels almost like you're watching Naruto and they're inventing a new jutsu like every episode. Mm-hmm. So for me, the the stakes were definitely raised, I think, when Ed and Alphonse almost died from the uh, the guy from Ishval, right? Because he's yeah. very powerful. But mm-hmm. I don't really know what his power is. And it seems like he's also using alchemy to an extent. Right. So I don't know. But the characters are starting to really come into their own. And the story beats are getting really good and interesting. So I'm actually starting to enjoy myself watching the show rather than powering through now, which is really good. I'm excited to check yeah. out uh, episodes seven through nine this week. Definitely. Yeah, it's so funny. Literally, listen to you talk about it is giving me shivers because I'm like, I can't wait till it gets to this part. I can't <laughs> wait till this happens. I can't wait till we talk about this shit. Because yeah. the, the thing that this show does so well, and I can talk about it all day, but I'll be brief, just showing the characters and the different interactions. And when you start learning about like each character's past, it fleshes them out so, so much. Like Armstrong gets a backstory, like Major Mustang, Hawkeye, everybody gets like some sort of backstory. There are almost no unimportant characters mm-hmm. in this show. Mm-hmm. So by the end of it, everyone has some arc that you're satisfied with. That's cool. That but, kind of yeah. that gives me a feeling. It kind of reminds me of Fire Emblem Three Houses, because mm-hmm. it starts off and you think, "Oh, this is just anime trash." Because there are a lot of characters that are very anime tropey. But over time, you realize that every single character is complicated. They all have their own backstory. The it's very interesting. You understand their motivations, where they're coming from. You like some characters that you didn't like before, and even if you still don't like the character, you respect them. You know, right. I mean, if this plays out in a similar way, then I'll be very happy that I decided to sit down and watch it. So, that's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. Well, what did you think about 
Berserk Episode 2, a.k.a. the first episode, because the first episode was the last episode. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of backstories, we left off with, I think, 16-year-old version of Guts. Yeah, around there. Maybe a little yeah. younger. Yeah. yeah, the siege of a castle of sorts. And there's this giant knight named Bazooza, I think. Bazuzo. Bazuzo. <laughs> and he's just like this giant onion knight looking motherfucker. Huge. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, someone fight me. You're not going to get past me. I'm going to bust you up with my axe, and that's going to be that. Mm-hmm. And Guts, at 16 or 17, just walks up, and he's like, fight me. And then he ends up defeating him, and it's actually really dope because he cracks his uh, axe with his sword, and then Bazuzo swings his axe at his helmet, and the axe shatters, mm-hmm. and his helmet flies off, and then he ends up, Guts ends up hitting him in the side with his sword, and then cleaving his head in twain. <laughs> he's like, no! Yes, how did this happen? <laughs> Oh, yeah, and then Guts gets his money from the bounty from defeating that guy, and then he's going, walking through some sort of pathway or whatever, just out in the wilderness. Hmm. And the people that were actually holding the castle yeah, were mercenaries from the opposing mercenaries. army. Yeah. yeah. They actually see him walking through, and they're like, well, he's probably got money on him. Let's go get him. And he's like, hey, Griffith, their leader. He's like, hey, you mind if we go get him? He's like, sure. And so they go down there, and Guts just, like, kills two of them instantly. Mm-hmm. And then he sent. Then Griffith sends his second in command, who is a lovely black woman by the name of Casca. Casca. And <laughs> and she goes down there, and he's like beating her back with his sword, and she's like, "He's so strong! Oh my god!" And then Griffith comes down finally to help, and he's like, "Be careful! He's strong!" And then he just completely decimates him. And then we have a dream sequence where Guts is dreaming about some sort of demon coming after him, and then he's like a kid, and he's like naked, but. It's weird because he has like no penis or anything. It's like they do the like, anime thing where they don't draw the genitalia. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, well, Dragon Ball's drawing genitalia. Like, if we're gonna do that, yeah. if he's gonna be naked, then he might as well be naked. You it know? was a, it was a conscious effort by the artist because they didn't want to distract or have people just stare at the genitalia. But the thing is, yeah. if it's not there, then you stare at the thing that's not there. Because yeah, they show him, they show him laying down, and it looks like he literally just has a vagina because he has no penis. Yeah. He's like a, <laughs> so, he's like a Ken doll, basically. But yeah, they, yeah, that was exactly. a, that was a conscious artistic choice to just not draw the genitalia. So. Yeah. I'm sure. But uh and then he sees a image of some dude named Gambino. He's like, Gambino, help me. He's like, I can't help you. I'm dead. Remember, you ran your sword through me. And I'm like, Well, hell, what did this guy do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure, uh, if I remember correctly, because I do know a lot of this plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've just never watched through it. If I remember correctly, Gambino like would sexually assault guts all the time. I'll, and ex- so, I'll explain it once you get done. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, because when they uh, don't show all of it in in the anime like they do in the manga, so I'll explain the parts that you're not gonna see to help you connect the dots a little bit because it is a little vague. Okay. Yeah. Because when soldier touches guts on his arm, he's like, "Don't fucking touch me." Yeah. Like when he gets paid, the guy's <laughs> I'm like, like, "Whoa." The leader of the mercenary <laughs> band's like, "Dude, you're really good. I need you to work for me." He's like, "Nah, I'm good." And he goes, wait. He touches him on the shoulder. He's like, don't you ever fucking touch me. Yeah, and I was like, whoa. Whoa, easy. Yeah, but uh, and then he wakes up from the dream, and then they show uh, Casca is laying next to him in the nude Mm -hmm. and just kind of staring at him. He's like, those big black. Black eyes. And I was like, black what? (laughs) He said eyes. I was like, okay. (laughs) And then he wakes up. Apparently, uh, Griffith told Casca to uh, lay next to him because he was shivering. He lost and a lot he of blood. was sick. Yeah, he lost a lot of blood, so he was shivering. She said, "He said you need to lay next to him. It's a woman's job to warm a man." 
And I'm like, okay, yeah. That's a little messed up. Yeah, she's yeah. not happy about that at all. She wasn't. She walks up and punches Guts in the gut. Yeah, right in the place <laughs> guts where Griffith in his guts. him. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. Then Griffith comes over and he's like, hey, you know, why don't we go for a walk? I got to talk to you. And basically he propositions him to join the band of the Hawk. And Guts is just confused because it seems like at this point he's never had anyone take a genuine interest in him. Mm. Especially you know, one just that wanted... like just stabbed him the day before. Right. So he's like, "Hey, why, why are you? Why is he saying this to me?" Blah. And uh, then he pulled guts, pulls out his sword. He's like, "I just want to settle things because that was bullshit. What happened before? Mm-hmm. And we'll see what happens." So, and Griffith's like, "What if I win?" He's like, "Then you can do whatever you want with me." He's like, "All right, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, bet." Griffith's <laughs> a bit of a beautiful man, so he shoots him to look like anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, Vicky walked in on me watching, and I was like, uh, "I was like, he's so pretty." Yeah. No, Griffith is gorgeous. He really is. Like that's kind of the thing. I think he's he's meant to be attractive to men and women. Like he's in, he's very androgynous. He's also very deadly. Like right. how he defeated Guts, like just with the single stab. Mm-hmm. Boy, yeah. And the end of the episode, it just shows them clash swords and does that drawn anime scene where it just kind of pans out. Mm, one one thing I would say about the episode that they kind of messed up was that uh, when you first see Griffith, he has his helmet on, uh-huh. and then they show Griffith laying down without his helmet on. Uh-huh. And then he comes down to fight Guts with his helmet on, and then he takes his helmet off, and it's revealed that he's a beautiful man. Mm-hmm. I feel like they shouldn't have showed him with his helmet off laying down the first time, and it would have been like, whoa, this is a beautiful man. Oh, yeah. yeah you feel like the reveal yeah. might have been like a little bit foreshadowed too much. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, uh, I'm digging it. It's very 90s. Yeah. It is very old. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. voice acting is not great, but the action is actually pretty decent for what there has been of it so far i think the voice acting between casca griffith and guts is pretty exceptional but i will agree when you get to like corcus and a few of the other side like judo is really good too Mm -hmm. some of of the other side characters i get you yeah yeah but yeah i'm enjoying it so good yeah man so i'll go back and explain a little bit of his backstory that gets a little glossed over you're gonna see some of his history with gambino you're gonna see him and he and gambino's like final moments together gambino hates guts and you'll you'll kind of see why and we'll discuss it later but he did raise him and a soldier offered gambino money to sleep with guts as a child and he accepted it so that dream he was having was him being raped as a child Mm. and uh which is really dark and so he has obviously if somebody tries to reach out and touch him he's like no right because he's very traumatized so that's kind of the part that they gloss over but you'll see how Gambino treats him, how Gambino, like, you know, how he and Gambino met, how he gets trained, and their relationship through, like, when he's young. Like, that'll all come up in subsequent episodes for sure. So, okay. Cool. Well, I'm glad you're still digging it. We will be back to talk about episode three next week, as well as Full Metal 7 through 9. And we'll go from there. So, last thing I want to talk about before we head out today, and the reason why I saved it for last, both of us finished Dragon's Dogma on Netflix. So mm-hmm. I thought we have a very brief spoiler talk about it, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah. So, Let's do it. Yeah, so seven episodes, one through seven, all the seven deadly sins. Overall, what did you think about the show? It was fine. Yeah. It didn't blow my mind or anything. What did kind of catch me off guard was the ending because I hadn't played the game, so I had no idea what was coming. Yeah, they, they had some creative license with that because that's not exactly how they, the game ends. Oh, really? Yeah. That's not how the lore is at all? No. Oh, well, nice. I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> not how it ends. I mean, I, I haven't played the game in a really long time, but I saw that and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not how it goes. But okay. 
Yeah. I might have and to go didn't... and actually look that up, but I'm pretty sure that's not how it goes. Yeah, and they didn't really leave it open for a second season. At least it didn't feel like it. And that's interesting to me. So let's talk about it. The main conceit is, you know, you got do living in a village, dragon attacks. He fights the dragon. The dragon's Which impressed. Was... Before we before we even get to that, that shit was brutal. Yeah. Like when uh, the kid is like, "Hey, I don't see the dragon," oh, and then he immediately gets him. eaten. I was like, right. "Fuck." <laughs> yeah, and they like they've already like established his relationship with his wife, and his wife's pregnant, and he has this little boy in the village they take care of, and they're very sweet and kind to each other. All that happens in episode one. You kind of grow attached to them, and then boom, they're murdered. Right. So you're feeling it with Ethan when he's like, "Ugh." So the dragon's impressed with him. He takes his heart and he goes, you know, if you feel this anger and this rage and this hate, come find me and come kill me. And so he becomes an Arisen. Arisens, I guess they're just more powerful. I don't know. I don't know if he, yeah, he just seems stronger, but it didn't really explain it. But he doesn't have a heart anymore and he needs to go after the dragon to fight and kill him. And then he, out of nowhere, a pawn appears. And again, this makes more sense in the video game, but in the show, they just go, right. oh, boom, there's pawns. And they show up to help Arisen. That's what it is. And the mm-hmm. pawn is just, it looks like another person, but they're not really human. And she's really good at magic and shooting arrows, and she's very supportive of the Arisen, and she's down with his quest to fight the dragon. They go through adventures, and we'll, we'll get to maybe the nitty-gritty of that. They finally get to the dragon. He fights the dragon. He defeats the dragon, and then the dragon reveals to him that the dragon used to be an Arisen, and now he will become a dragon because he defeated him, perpetuating mm-hmm. the cycle. He goes partly mad because he's the dragon, and that's how the dragon kills and creates another Arisen. The cycle continues, right? Yeah. Which, yeah, that didn't really... I don't believe that's the way the game went down. I thought that was kind of confusing. The way it was going, I thought, because the prior episode, the pawn's like, Arisen, you need to eat. Arisen, you need to rest. You're not going to be able to defeat the dragon if you keep going on like this. I thought he would lose, and that would be the continuate. Like, season two would be him continuing to pursue the dragon. That's why. Right. Yeah. It was very quick. It was very rushed. I feel mm-hmm. like by episode... Okay, because so you start out... Remember last week we talked about when I had seen a few episodes. Okay, so his arc isn't really, you know, retaining his humanity so much as understanding how dark humanity can become. Yeah. But through him witnessing the dark side of humanity and just kind of going berserk in a couple of battles, he does start to lose his humanity. Whereas his pawn who started off as very humorless, starts to get to know him, and she starts to develop an affection for humans, it's almost like she takes on his humanity while he's losing it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so she notices the change. So a couple of mercenaries they run into in an earlier episode, they run into again, and they notice the change in the two of them as well. And I feel like because they're like, oh, hey, it's you guys. I'm like, yeah, the guys we saw like two episodes ago. Right. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, right? I feel like the game could have done with a few montages to help show more passage of time. It just Mm -hmm. felt very rushed. And I felt like there was not enough passages of time to really kind of solidify a reunion when they get back with like Simon and Balthazar, those soldiers they met earlier and when they killed the Lich King, right? Now, it was cool that they showed, like, he, he fights a Colossus, he fights a Griffin, he fights a Lich King, he fights all these different monsters from the game, and even a Hydra, which is really cool, the whole, like, drug That's thing. Really yeah, I like that, but it's just, they don't, it, it almost reminds, it, it feels like it was directed by Zack Snyder. We talked about it before. He's my favorite <laughs> guy to pick on, right? Right. Because he's really good at all these moments, these badass fights and these moments, and those are awesome in the show. But he's not so good at developing character or the quiet moments in between that make you care. Because the coolest action scene in the world doesn't really mean much to your eyes other than spectacle if you don't have any emotion or stake tied to it. 
Right. And I feel like because it was so rushed along that my stake and my emotion in these characters was they 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 built it up pretty good in the first episode, but then it got really divested. And by the end, I was like, I don't really care. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Is that kind of how yeah. you felt too? Yeah, I was just kind of watching it. Uh, they, there's a lot of stuff that they didn't explain, mainly the magic and how that works. Yeah, they it should just, have done it more explaining, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because uh, Balthazar like, made his sword glow, and I'm like, is that like just a skill he has? Is that like magic? Sword? Yeah. Like, yeah. what's happening here? Yeah, who can use magic, who can't, you know, why? So, yeah, I, I feel like they lean too heavily on people's knowledge of the game in order to do this, and that's that's fine, but even as a person who played and beat the game, although it was many years ago, I was still like, wanting more context for this show and the deviations that they made you know Mm -hmm. so again it wasn't terrible i don't think i could recommend it to other people without caveats to be honest it's definitely not near as good as castlevania castlevania crushes the hell out of the show yeah for sure i hope they make more and i hope they learn their lesson from kind of like the missteps they made with this show overall if i had to rig it out of a five i'd probably give it like a two yeah uh, I, i might give it a three simply for what they did with the animation you know what? Yeah. For just the regular characters. Okay. Yeah, because like I said, this is the most I've enjoyed a completely CG mm-hmm. anime, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, besides Ajin on Netflix, that was pretty good. But oh, okay. this one this one is the most CG anime that looks like it's drawn. Ah, I gotcha. I gotcha. So that definitely helps uh, soften the blow. Yeah, the monsters are all really super CG, but, you know, it is what it is. They do what they can with the technology. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and the last thing, I don't like how he turned into the exact same dragon. I really wish there was a different like form or something that he took to differentiate him. Yeah, but yeah, he is the exact same dragon. Yeah. Well, okay, well, yeah. that's cool. Like this, I get you. I get you on that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Cool. All right. Well, that is our show, people. We still have. We're gonna be working on a spoiler cast for last of us part two so be on the lookout for that we haven't recorded it yet i think we're eyeballing what this weekend probably recorded this up uh, yeah this weekend so stay tuned for that for sure but of course uh we we got episodes every sunday so uh, uh before we kind of say goodbye to everybody if, if people are liking what they're hearing they want to hear more maybe they want to stalk you and try to pressure you into doing a show about your thrifting where can they find you at they can find me on instagram at gamer goodies more Twitter at goodies underscore more. And you can find all the awesome items that I pick up on ebay.com slash str slash gamer goodies and more. Sounds good. All right. Well, if you want, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Peterson AL. My YouTube channel is MC Paper Stacks Plays. So if you hear about any games I'm playing that you're interested in and it's already aged out of Twitch, you can find the full uploads there. Twitch streaming is on twitch.tv slash MC Paper Stacks. My main stream is is Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday at 8. Right now I'm playing Final Fantasy 7. I do Brawlers and Warriors games on Mondays at 9. Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World coming up. I do horror games on Fridays at 10. And right now I'm playing through Resident Evil 3, the remake. And all those are Eastern times. For our podcast hub, you can go to anchor.fm slash player2 has entered the pod. There you can find uh, all our episodes you can donate to the cause if you feel so inclined. We very much appreciate it. You can also find us pretty much wherever podcasts are hosted. Breaker, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can email us with feedback, comments, suggestions, criticisms, whatever. mcpaperstacks at gmail.com. 
And if you're on Facebook, I run a Facebook gaming group at facebook.com slash groups slash indie gamers. All right, man. We did it. That's our show. <laughs> so we hope that everybody enjoys the rest, of the, what little they have of their weekend and the rest of their week. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. See ya.